0: All right, so with that, let's look to God's Word this morning. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 11. God's Word says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers above all. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we do love you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We worship him alone. Lord, we come before you with humble hearts, seeking your word, seeking to grow in obedience to your word. Lord, would you by the power of your spirit guide us this morning to understanding. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. We got a lot of ground to cover in this passage this morning. The overarching theme that we're looking at is this. The title of our sermon is we're looking at marks of a healthy Christian. If you'll recall, uh, a few weeks back, we did marks of a healthy church. Now we're looking personally in it. We're zeroing in on our hearts, marks of a healthy Christian, which brings us to our main idea uh, throughout this passage. The main idea is this. Striving towards Christ-like thinking leads to healthy Christian living. Striving towards Christ-like thinking leads to healthy Christian living. Uh, Peter begins this passage, verses 1 and 2, and he says these things. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves. That word there, arm, is is a military term, so we're thinking in in that manner. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. A Peter begins this section by calling us back to, I believe, verse 18 in chapter 3. Remember, we've hit on this a number of times in Peter. Whenever we see that word, therefore, we're seeking to understand what it is, therefore, because it's always pointing to something that was leading up to it previously. I believe the last part of chapter 3 is kind of a, an aside of Peter got off on a tangent and was talking about Noah and some different things. And actually, he's pointing us back now to verse 18. Which is his proclamation of the gospel, where he says this: hear these words in verse 18. For Christ suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Peter is pointing us back to that key truth now, and now we're going to unlock what that means in this next passage, what it means to have a Christ-like mind, what it means to be a healthy Christian. Because of what Jesus did, now we do this. We're transformed in this manner. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. That's what Peter's getting at. Have the mind of Christ. Peter says when we we suffer in the flesh, he uses an, an interesting phrase here. He says when we suffer in the flesh, we cease from sin. That's interesting because if you're anything like me, you still struggle with sin. Anybody with me? Anybody here still a sinner? Yes. Okay. So it doesn't mean that we stop sinning. This isn't a verse that infers that we can obtain what we what we believe is complete holiness in this present life in our flesh in the present time. But rather, this, I believe Peter's calling us to this truth, that we are no longer this, slaves to sin. You see, before Christ, we were slaves to sin. Okay? sin infected every aspect of our lives, that that we walked in our own ways. We walked in opposition to God. But in being reconciled by Christ and given the gift of His Holy Spirit that indwells us, we are no longer slaves to that way of life. We've been set free in Christ. And so because of that, we, because of these truths now, we seek to look at what it means to be a healthy Christian. I love passages That are just very clear. Do this and don't do this. That's what Peter's getting at today. Does anybody with me, does anybody like what's real clear? Don't do this, do this. Yes, please, give me that kind of instruction. So we're going to look at marks of a healthy Christian. We're going to look at four of those this morning as we work our way through this passage. What does it look like to have a healthy faith in Jesus? Number one, a mark of a healthy Christian is understanding our role in the world, understanding our role in the world. We find ourselves in a unique time and role among those who are in in unbelief, those who are non-Christians, those who are not saved. It is the tension of being born again. We believe if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been born of the Spirit. You've been born again. You're a born-again Christian. But you're living in a world that largely rejects Jesus, that largely rejects his lordship. See, when we follow Jesus... We are saying that he is our Lord and Savior. What are we, we're saying he's over us. He's our king. He's our authority. But the world rejects that truth. They don't claim Jesus as their Lord. And so how do we live in this tension? Jesus clearly calls us back in the Gospels. He calls us to, the, to be this, salt and light. Which means that we must be in the world... Okay, but he 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 gives us some guidance in this. he cautions us he says, but to not be of the world, remember the phrase that peter just just used He says, Arm yourselves okay it's it's a military term, and so Uh, I want to pull this out. We have this idea of retreat and advance in military, right? We We retreat or we advance. And so God's purpose for us when he commissions us to go and make disciples is not that we would retreat from the world, but that we would advance into the world. We would be advancing the kingdom of God. We would see people reconciled through the power of the gospel. And so, family, we don't retreat away. We don't hide away, but we're advancing God's agenda in reconciling sinful people by proclaiming the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Peter says this of our role in the world. In verses 3 to 6, he says. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. I want to pause there. It's kind of a confusing way that the ESV renders that that verse. In other words, what what Peter is saying, he's saying this. You're done living according to the world system. You're done giving yourselves over to sin. It's past. You're past that, Christian. That's in the past. He says this, "...living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does." We know practically that we cannot avoid the world and the way it operates in in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, he says, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. We do have a role. I want you to hear this. We're commissioned, family, to go forth, Jesus said, go forth and make disciples, We are to be in the world and and we're to strive as we are reconciled through Jesus and we're transformed by the indwelling of his spirit and the power of his word to bear fruit now in the presence of unbelievers. But... Okay, We must guard and caution ourselves to not be seduced by the sin that invades those around us. That's the tension that we live in. That we would bear fruit, that we would be salt and light in the presence of those in unbelief, but that we would not be seduced by the sinful desires that they have. Peter says the time has passed that we, we not involve ourselves in in those types of practices. We've been here's the truth. We've been set free. It's, it's the gospel in types and shadows that we saw in Exodus when, when God delivered the Israelites through the waters of the Red Sea, freeing them from enslavement from Egypt. We see that same picture in our redemption through Jesus Christ, the greater Moses, who brought us out of our enslavement to sin. In other words, apart from Christ, we had no hope to combat sinful desires. But now we have, a, we have an escape in Jesus. We no longer have to give ourselves over to sin, but rather sin has been overcome by the power of the cross. And Peter now says this is what it's going to lead to. He says our, our, your lack of presence in participating now in sinful activity will lead to I believe one of two responses from those in unbelief. The first one is going to be accusations against you. Here's an example. You're a hypocrite. Here's another example. You just think you're better than me. Because you don't involve yourself. And and here's the truth of that. If we're honest, we bring ourselves to the cross every week. If we're honest about our reconciliation in Christ, we have no room to think that we're better than anybody else. Because we have proclaimed this message when we place our faith and trust in Jesus. We say this, I'm not good enough. I need the work of another. I'm broken in my sinfulness. I need the perfection of Jesus to cover me. Peter said earlier, the righteous for the unrighteous. And so there's going to be accusations against you, which prove false because every single Christian should be humble. Or two, we have this. This is the hope. It will lead to questions about your conduct that lead to this. Gospel conversations. Hey, you used to be a rampant alcoholic, and now you go to church on Sundays, and you go to meetings to help you work against your addiction. What happened to you? Let me tell you about my Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved me out of the pit of despair. Peter says this, interestingly enough, in verse 6. I think it's an example of an accusation. He says this, For this is why the gospel was preached to those who are dead... That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. What in the world is that talking about? Is it talking about preaching the gospel to the dead? No, I don't believe so. It's talking about people who have received the gospel, they've received the good news about Jesus Christ, but they have now died. Okay, and and an accusation from those in unbelief will be, "Hey, you talk a lot about eternal life in Christ, but uh, that person died. What's with your message? It seems flawed." But Peter gives us an answer says that though you see here here's the reality we are still we're in this tension of what i call the already but but not yet the kingdom has come in but it's not been fully consummated it'll be consummated upon the return of jesus and so we still live in this time frame where we're under the curse of death okay Uh, i think we feel this every time we get up in the morning and we crawl out of bed okay things hurt and creak and pop that didn't hurt and creak and pop yesterday My wife and I went out and we did some hiking in Bernheim Forest yesterday. It was beautiful. And we always bite off a little bit more than we can chew when we do that. We decided to do a five-miler right at the end of the day. And we took the pathway that was kind of downhill at the beginning, but then at the end it was all uphill. And we needed to hurry a little bit because the sun was starting to set. And this morning when I woke up, things hurt that don't normally hurt. It's, It's the decay of my body. Okay. We're faced with the, the curse of sin in creation is death. And I believe that's what Peter's getting at when he's talking about it. It's like, the people have received the gospel, but they've died. But then he says this, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. They have eternal life because they are present with the Lord. We believe this, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And we believe in a final resurrection when Christ returns, that we will be raised to new life, that we'll be given a new body, that all things will be made new. That's what Peter's getting at here. And so we draw, I want you to draw this truth. If you, if you just write down one practical tip, I'm going to try to give you a practical tip under each one of these marks of a healthy Christian. Your closest, if if we don't want to get lured into the world, we we have to engage the world with the good news about Jesus. But here's a, a caution, a practical tip. Your closest human relationships should be, must be Christians, must be followers of Jesus. Because we have to insulate and and protect ourselves. Our closest relationships should be Christ followers, must be Christ followers, that we not be seduced and lured away from the faith by the passions of the world, the passions of the flesh. Another mark of a healthy Christian. Number two, we have an understanding of our location in redemptive time. Our location in redemptive time. We're going to look at at one verse here, verse 7. And I want to say this before I read this verse. Few topics, I think, over the last 20 months in the church have been as hot as this. Is the end near? Okay, Is Jesus coming back soon? Right? Have you guys heard the the chatter within the church? Peter says this in verse 7, The end of all things is at hand. Then he gives us some instruction, Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. To answer your question, yes, Jesus is coming back soon. Okay, Now we're going to unpack what that means a little bit. Peter says here, the end of all things is at hand, and that was, what, about 2,000 years ago? So in that sense, just mathematically, we're closer to Jesus' return than he was. You may be thinking, yeah, but... Is it happening soon? Let's see what Peter says a little later in 2 Peter 3, 8 to 10. He says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not, this is good news right here, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, he says this, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay, but, but the verse now shifts. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Back to our question. Yeah, but is it happening soon? I don't know. The reality is this no one knows the time. Okay? But a healthy Christian understands this our location in redemptive time. What Peter is intending by this statement is that we are now in the last section of redemptive time. What does that mean? The Savior has come, His first coming has occurred. He lived perfectly, he died on the cross, he resurrected from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he's doing this. He's interceding on your behalf right now. The Spirit, we learn this in the book of Acts, has been poured out. Lives are being transformed by the power of the gospel. We have a room full of them right now. And so what Peter is getting at is that there is no other option than to place your confidence in Jesus Christ as the day of judgment is near. He says this, "But, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. May it be that when they are exposed that we are found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are confident of this truth though as Christ followers. I believe the kingdom is indeed expanding and the light is shining in dark places. But Peter also says this, the power of darkness still lurks and prowls around like a lion. He says, looking for someone to devour. And so we must be mindful of the time that we are in. A healthy Christian, now he gives us some practical instruction. A healthy Christian then will be these things, self-controlled and sober-minded. Self-controlled and sober-minded. We're going to look at two things under that. First, we're going to look at the physical, okay? There's a clear physical restraint that we see in Peter's instruction. Tying this back to the previous section, we no longer live for the flesh or sin or for human desires, but for the will of God, Peter said. It is the will of God that God's people be marked with this. Self-control and be sober-minded. Okay? Let Let me make this clear for you. Don't get drunk on the things that this world has to offer. Clearly, don't get drunk on substances. Keep your mind clear. Also, don't get inebriated on the things this world has to offer. Money and entertainment and busyness. Be about God's will. That's what we've been called to fulfill is God's will. And secondly, so we look at the physical, okay? The spiritual, okay? The spiritual aspect of this. To be self-controlled and sober-minded. He has just talked about the end being near. We need to be self-controlled and sober-minded as it pertains to that too. Remember, we have a role to play in this last segment of of redemptive history. We need to be self-controlled and sober-minded in our searching for the return of Jesus. Here's the reality. When Jesus comes, you'll know it. It's going to be very clear to you. And we need to keep a clear head about, about the Lord's will, which is this, that we have a job to do while we are here that we will be salt and light in the world, proclaiming the power of Jesus to overcome death, proclaiming the gospel. And Peter has just said that God is so patient that he is waiting for his people to receive the gospel before the return of Jesus. Church, embrace your role as gospel proclaimers in the world. That's what we're supposed to do. Okay, we don't sit around making charts and graphs and saying, well, I'm going to read this book because it says he might come back. No, be about the Lord's business. When we were hiking yesterday, I found myself looking down because there's a lot of leaves covering the pathway and there's roots and rocks. And so I'm watching to make sure I don't trip. And then I realized about a mile into my hike, I had only looked at the ground and I hadn't taken in and absorbed all the beautiful fall colors all around me. Okay, so what, it, what do we have to do? We got we to gotta keep our eyes peeled on the trail to make sure we don't trip, but also we got to pick our eyes up every once in a while and look at the horizon. Okay, what do I mean by that? Okay, keep yourselves pure. Be, be sober-minded. Be self-controlled. Okay, stay on the path. But every once in a while, it's okay to, to look up on the horizon and say, Jesus, I know you're coming back. I know you're going to make all things new. I know I have a great hope in the midst of suffering that I'm in right now and the grief and the pain that I'm facing. And then I look back down on the path and make sure I'm not tripping and keep on going. And then I look up and I, I see the beauty of God's redemptive plan I'm unveiling before my eyes. So here's a practical tip. Here's our practical tip. If we understand where we are at in, in redemptive time, share the gospel with someone in unbelief. Christ has called us to share the gospel. tell, Tell people about the good news, the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us. Point number three, another mark of a healthy Christian. Understanding our relationship towards others. Understanding our relationship toward others. Okay, now we're going to talk about our relationship within the church, within the body of Christ. Okay, we're stewards, okay? means God has called us in a way, a steward is a a manager, an overseer. They handle something. They're responsible for something. We are stewards of a great gift, and it's called the church, the body of Christ. And if we're we're to be healthy Christians, we're called to do this, serve within the church. We're called to serve within the church. Looking at uh, the verses 8 through 11, we'll just read the beginning part of 11. Christ. This is the heart of our passage this morning. What does it look like to be a healthy Christian in the local church that isn't in the midst of a world that promotes self-interest and selfishness? The church, I believe, stands and should stand as a beacon of light of service to our communities, dying to ourselves and serving others. The Bible says this, Jesus said this in the Gospels. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, what, for many. The church should follow in the steps of Christ. It calls the people of God to be, the the Bible calls us to be this, a shining city on a hill. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That we're not here to absorb all the resources from our community, but we're here to pour them back out, to be a shining city on the hill, casting light in all the dark places. Our light will shine so bright, though, if we heed the instruction of God's Word, if we, if we draw that in and live in light of it. Peter says this, that we're to love one another Earnestly. What does earnestly mean? Without wavering. Amen. He says it covers a multitude of sins. In other words, we're not looking for the fault in our brothers and sisters, but we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. We love them. And practically, I love this, we show each other hospitality. This always seems to be the heart of the gospel, that since you've been reconciled with Jesus, I love this because I love food, get around the table and eat. And hang out with each other. We provide for each other. We pray for one another. We have people over into our homes. Uh, just last Saturday, I was uh, one of our elders and, and a widow in our church hosted all the other elders to come over and they made us breakfast and we sat around and we ate and we laughed and enjoyed each other's company. It was beautiful. And you know what? I didn't hear one person grumble. Not one person. There was joy that filled the room. I think that, that phrase, without grumbling, that's the key. Uh, the attitude of our heart reflects the heart of Christ. That's what we're striving towards. Without grumbling. Peter goes on. Now he talks about service within the church. We serve one another as God has given all of us gifts. Okay? This is what we believe, that we've been filled with God's Holy Spirit, and we've been imparted spiritual gifts, and those aren't for our Uh, Needs Therefore, the needs of those around us for us to serve others. We've been given a gift. Everybody who's a follower of Jesus has been given a gift to share in serving another person, serving the local church. A great mark of a healthy Christian is one who knows and understands their spiritual gifting and uses it. Okay? Paul says this in Romans 12, 4-8. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Did you hear that? So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. He says this, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, we are just like a human body. If you take my leg and you cut it off, other parts of my body have to then compensate for that thing that's no longer there, that's not being used. i got to get crutches, and so i got to use my arms to move around. It's the same thing. When you are gifted in a way and you're not serving the body of Christ, we look like that human body that's not functioning correctly. We're like a body that's missing a leg or an arm. It's all of us together, united for one purpose, but all serving one Lord. Serving each other. What would happen if we all served being stewards of God's? It says varied grace. We're all different. That's the, be- the body of Christ is diverse. We don't all do the same thing. Thank goodness, because you imagine how silly the human body would look if it was just an eyeball? Okay, but we're all different. We all do different things. We steward those things. We were created, family, to serve, to serve each other, to love each other. Practically, we need your help. The church needs your help. What's a few ways that you could, you could serve? I'm gonna. This is my shameless plug this morning. We need people to serve. We need kids' ministry helpers. We need people in nursery to hold babies and to love them. We need people to help us with technology, with, with audio and visual. We need guys to run sound. We need people to click through the slides on the screen. We, we have a, a, a gal in our church who probably 50 weeks out of the 52 sits up there in that dark room. And I know she's embarrassed because I'm calling her out right now. Cindy, we love you. We're so thankful for you that clicks through those slides for us every week. And we're so thankful for her because she allows us to sing without thinking. We can just look at the words on the screen. We need some other people to help in that area. We need people to help with sound. We need people on Wednesday nights. We have, I can say her name now, Kathy serves us every Wednesday night making a meal for us. We share a fellowship meal. And she goes, she gets here, nobody sees us. She gets here about noon on Wednesdays. And no one sees us. She comes in on Monday and cleans up the kitchen and gets it all ready. She spends hours and hours preparing that meal for us. We need people to help. Because we had a rule when I was growing up at Thanksgiving. My mom cooked all day long. Somebody else had to do the dishes. Did you guys have that rule in your house? It'd be nice if someone just did the dishes for Kathy. Wiped down some counters in there. We're so thankful for her. She doesn't seek any recognition for that. But next time you see her, thank her for her service. We need community group leaders. We host uh, community groups and homes throughout the week. We need people to step up and lead God's people in in Bible study and open their homes. Remember that statement on hospitality? Have people in your homes. If you're interested in leading a community group, uh, talk to Nathan after the service today. We need people to just help out with the facility. Painting and cleaning and things like that. Some different ways that you can serve. And lastly, we do all these things in this manner. Peter ends with the glory of Christ. We do all these things not for our glory, not for our recognition, but for the glory of Jesus. The last mark of a healthy Christian is this, number four, understanding our purpose in Christ. Understanding our purpose in Christ. What is our purpose? It's this. This is what it all boils down to. In everything that we might bring glory to God. That's what we were created for. It says in Genesis that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Okay, We reflect the glory of God in his beautiful creation. Peter says this at the the end of verse 11. He says, In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so, family, it's all about him. It's all about him. And so we focus our life in Christ. That is, as we focus on, on living as a healthy Christian, we do not lose sight of our purpose, which is to glorify Christ, to glorify God. We bring honor and glory to Jesus as we obey his word. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In all things that we do, okay, the ordinary and extraordinary, simply put, Glorify Jesus. The reality is that most of life is ordinary, right? Most of life is the alarm clock going off. Fortunately, we got an extra hour of sleep this morning. The alarm clock going off, you get up, you put your shoes on, you get dressed, you eat some breakfast, you get in the car, you go to work, you get home, eat supper with your family. It's just ordinary, right? It's the everyday grind, That you're not looking for the extraordinary ways to glorify God, but just in the ordinary, everyday things you're seeking. God, how do I glorify you in this? How do I glorify your name? And we may bring God much glory by obeying his commands in these places, in the workplace, through combating laziness and appearance of busyness that we may obey his commands through honesty, that we may obey his word by proclaiming it in our households to our families, talking about the glory of God in our waking and in our sleeping in our eating and our recreating in our difficulties and in our triumphs, that we're giving God glory in all those things. In all things, we strive to glorify God. This, indeed, I believe, is the greatest mark of a healthy Christian, that we glorify God in everything that we do, even in the ordinary. That we flee from the thought that any good or blessing comes from within, but rather that it comes from above. And so as I invite the band to come forward, I want to conclude with this truth from Paul in the book of Romans. I love this section. Romans 11, 33 to 36. Paul says this. It's so beautiful. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. He says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? He says this, memorize this verse right here. He says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So be it. So that's the focus of our hearts as we conclude this morning that we would glorify God. We do that by following him all of our days, by obeying his commands. One of the, the great things that we can give our life to is following Jesus. And so if you find yourself in this room and you are in unbelief and you find yourself purposeless in life, that you would seek after the Lord. Call upon his name this morning. Humble yourself before him and call upon him as Lord and Savior. Jesus will save you if you place your confidence in his finished work on the cross.